Welcome back, everybody, to the Start Simple Podcast with me, Andy, that ginger guy. Hope you're all good. Thanks for tuning in. Um, so, we've got quite a few topics. I did it slightly differently this week. I I opened up the questions to uh, Instagram as well as some of the things that have come up with clients this week. So, yeah, give you guys a chance to answer which. If you ever have got stuff that you want me to, to cover, just... Um, let me know. In the meantime, like, again, when I'm talking about these topics or if I talk about anything, like, I'm going to tell a couple of stories from things that have come up with clients this week. If anything relates to you, if you want to find out a bit more about having a coach, working one-to-one, well, message me, basically. Um, otherwise, it's really helpful if you share the podcast, you know, like, it actually does make a big difference. I think people hear that and are like, yeah, but it doesn't make that much of a difference, so I won't bother. No, it does. It, it really does. So if, it, if you find this useful, stop whatever you're doing right now. And just make a little mental note, I will share this podcast. I will tell someone about this podcast because it helps me. So I actually really like the conversation uh, or the there's two questions that have come up around alcohol this week. One was within a client's check-in and the other was it came through from Instagram. So I'm going to, okay, I'm going to read out the question that came from Instagram because it actually is going to lead into to what happened with one of my clients checking in asking about basically getting fat loss results with alcohol but the wording of the question on Instagram is where I want to come from first so I was asked does alcohol cause binge eating and it's the second part of that question I want to jump to first and foremost because I just want to make something really clear to you guys for you to understand this now I'm not sure if anybody listening to this needs me to say it it might just be an educational thing for you. It might not hold any relevance to you, but it's really important you hear this. Binge eating, the term binge eating means binge eating disorder. It is an eating disorder. Lots of us use the term binge eating around maybe overeating all that, you know, an alcohol day after alcohol where you've got a hangover and you sit there eating a KFC bucket of chicken when the reality is that's maybe a consumption of calories but it's not binge eating in terms of the disorder. And I think it's just really important that you you understand that there is a difference. There is an episode, a podcast episode, I it maybe like six episodes ago with Sinead, Sinead Crow, and we talk about the difference in much more detail. She's in a much better position to explain the differences than I am. So I would strongly recommend that if you want to know more about binge eating, you go and listen to that episode. Just on that note as well, and I just feel like it, if I'm if we're going to talk about it, it's really important that I say this now. You will see online personal trainers, coaches, people who ultimately are not qualified, advertising support for binge eating. Now, if they're say if they if they're using the term binge eating, but what they really mean is they can help you stop overconsuming at the weekends. Yeah, probably because that's maybe not you know what is typically known as binge eating. It's not an eating disorder. But if you have binge eating disorder, again, if you're not sure, go and listen back to that podcast that I did with Sinead. Look it up. Speak to a doctor about it if you are not sure. If you have binge eating disorder, no matter how good this coach sounds, no matter how good this PT sounds, you should not be working with a personal trainer or a coach around your nutrition. I, I've had it before where I've had conversations and when it's come down to it and we've had a conversation with an individual and the bottom line was that there was potentially an eating disorder involved. As much as I would love to be able to help the person, I'm not the right person to help them. So a personal trainer or a coach cannot help if you have an eating disorder. It's really important that you understand that because 
more often than not, it's going to make your situation worse before making it better. It's not to say that you can never work with a PT or a coach. I have done that many times. But if it's to resolve what's going on there, it needs to be with a specialist. It needs to be with a mental health therapist. And it doesn't need to be with a personal trainer who's just going to put you on a fat loss program that is not going to help the situation you're in. So that's just a little bit of a tangent on the difference between what we say is binge eating to binge eating disorder. So now back to the original question. Does alcohol cause binge eating? Now, I know the person who asked this, so I know that when they say binge eating, they're referring to a large consumption of calories. And does alcohol cause that? Um, depending on the amount of alcohol consumed, yeah, it does, yeah. Um, listen, I like an eye out as much as the next man. However, we have to be honest about the impacts that alcohol will have on your health. Alcohol negatively impacts pretty much every aspect of um, or every trait that we want when it comes to it's particularly around fat loss but when it comes to just like generally being healthy it negatively impacts energy levels it negatively impacts your sleep i've said this so many times you've probably heard me say this before it makes you so the hormones that dictate our hunger and our fullness ghrelin and leptin alcohol makes us hungrier and it makes us feel less full so we could consume a meal after drinking alcohol and we're still going to be hungry after it despite the fact that that meal might satisfy us on another day um, it's going to mess with your blood sugars, which is going to cause cravings, which is why when you are hungover, you are craving that KFC bucket. You're not cra- like, listen, no one's ever, listen, we've all been there also. We're not going to deny this. We've all been there. You've been there. I've been there. It's life. It happens. You wake up on a Sunday morning, you've got a dry mouth. Ugh, it's not nice. It's not pretty. Your eyes start to wake up. You're like, oh my God, what happened last night? At that moment in time, you're not craving salmon and broccoli, are you? You're craving a KFC large bucket, you're craving a McDonald's breakfast, you're craving a Domino's, a Chinese, an Indian, everything else in between. Do you think that's really what your body needs? Or do you think that's potentially the impact of excessive drinking? We both know the answer to that. Sorry to be the guy to just spell it out to you though. And that's because your blood sugars have been played with alcohol. It's going to dehydrate you. It puts you in a negative position for pretty much any health-focused goal. So does it cause binge eating? Or does it cause overconsumption of calories? It doesn't have to, but more often than not, it will because things like your decision making impacted by alcohol. If you are tired, if you've had a shit night's sleep, which you will have, by the way, even when you've had a drink and you're like, oh, I'm having a nightcap. No, the quality of your sleep is massively impacted when you consume alcohol. The quality of your recovery is massively impacted in a bad way from consuming alcohol. So it doesn't have to cause a big blowout the next day when you're hungover, but your decision-making and the chances that it will cause that day, listen, you don't need me to say that, do you? You've you've had the feeling, you've had the hangover where you just go, fuck's sake, never mind, I'm just going to eat it all today, I'll worry about life tomorrow. You've been there, and that's because of the consumption of alcohol. Now, going back to the, what I said before about alcohol and fat loss, now this is where, and I say this with my clients a lot, I'm, I'm very straight with my clients, and I'm going to be very straight with you guys. Can you include alcohol? Can you drink and lose weight? Yes, 100%. Can you, probably if you're asking this question or if this question sounds relevant to you, can you continue to do what maybe you currently do with alcohol where it's, and I've done this before, by the way. I'm talking from experience. If you take me back to being 21, 22, I was like, I want to get ripped on a six pack at the same time I was having two nights out a week. 
and takeaways all day on a Sunday. The thing that I've just explained, I've literally done it. I know where you're coming from. Um, can you continue to have that sort of relationship with alcohol where it's a couple of bottles of wine, a takeaway, a night out here and there, a missed training session, and get fat loss results? No, absolutely not. There has to be a middle ground. Like If you cannot maintain... If you cannot find that middle ground, you won't get the fat loss results that you want. It's that simple. It really is. So when I say you can include alcohol, you could go on a night out. You could drink gin and slimline tonic. You could then, at the end of the night, make sure you have a shitload of water before you go to bed. You could wake up and despite the fact that you're feeling pretty hungover, you can make sure you go out, you get a walk in, you get some fresh air. As much as you probably don't want to do it, you can make sure you get straight back on top of your nutrition, eating fruit, eating vegetables, eating protein. And no, that's not going to settle the craving that you might have had from alcohol. But ultimately, if we're going to have a trade-off here, if we're going to say, yeah, I still want to have a night out, which I encourage you to do, then we still need then we need to say, okay, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to step up and make sure it doesn't have to impact me any further. And this is what I said to one of my clients this week when he said, the question was saying, basically, I'm struggling to have the balance between having alcohol and still getting results and that was exactly what i said to him that was exactly my advice and i said if you can't if you can't do that it's probably a situation where your relationship with alcohol needs looking at again if it's not something that you feel that you could include and it not lead to ultimately you're not getting the results you want i would question then is it worth it? Are the actions or the decisions you're making actually serving the goal that you want to achieve? Only you're going to know the answer to that. But alcohol can be included when it comes to fat loss. This also classed as its own separate macronutrient. So obviously, protein, um, one gram of protein has four calories. Carbohydrates, one gram of carbohydrates has four calories. Fats, one gram of fats has nine calories, which everyone's always surprised at, by the way. Um, everyone thinks that carbs is going to be the higher calorie one, but actually it's fats. And then alcohol would be classed as its own separate macronutrient one gram of alcohol has seven calories not really that important that you know that but um it's just a, the the difference really is the fact that protein carbohydrates in fact will have uh, nutrients there are benefits to having them within your body alcohol doesn't really have any nutrients i don't i'm not a mad fan of the phrase empty calories but if it was going to apply to anything it would be alcohol because there's not really any nutritious benefit to you having alcohol within your diet so hopefully that covers alcohol so the next question. Uh, I'm not going to read out the whole word into this because it's, it's quite a personal situation, but the general theme I think is an interesting one to discuss in terms of, so this was basically struggling to get into routine, struggling to get on top of fitness. And the phrase you used was, I'm in a bunk because I haven't got a clear reason as to why. So there wasn't a reason as to why to go and get the steps or a reason as to why to go and train and a reason why to eat healthier. So this person was struggling to make it part of their routine. Now, there are two answers to this. We're going to go with both. The first one, I think there probably is a reason why. I would assume that you're probably not thinking maybe deep enough, maybe thinking long-term enough. So, for example, I think that there are, two, there are two sides to why. One is short-term, one is long-term. Now, a long-term one, which I, I would honestly just say to everybody should have, a long-term reason for why, for whether it's exercise, whether it's eating healthy, whether it's movement, drinking water, whatever, all the things that we talk about, 
A long-term reason why is the fact that it will make you live longer, your quality of your life will improve, your muscles, your bones will be stronger as you get older, meaning that you will be able to do more. I, I Honestly, I can't think of any better reason why as to be able to live life to its fullest for as long as possible, in my opinion, right? Maybe you disagree, but I would like to think that a lot of you listening to this will have quite a similar sort of mindset. Like, of course, we want a good quality of life. We want to stay healthy for as long as possible. Well, nutrition and exercise literally will do that for you. So if we need a reason why, that's a pretty good one to have. I think as well, it's understanding like a lot of the time when we talk about reasons why within fitness, everybody thinks that like the goal or the reason or it has to be so directly correlated with fitness. It's like I have to run a 10K in a certain amount of time or I have to get a deadlift PB. And you think that your reason why or your reason for going has to be related to something within the gym or within exercise. And don't get me wrong, performance goals are amazing. But you know what else is class? Being in a position where you're healthy enough to run around with your kids when you are playing in the back garden or going holiday, going on holiday, having the confidence to wear clothes that you fucking love. These reasons outside of the gym can be as much of a reason as inside of the gym too. Don't think that your reason why always has to be focused on something directly involving fitness. The chances are your reason why is going to give you something back in your actual life, not just something that you do in the gym every couple of weeks. So that's thinking longer term. It's thinking about the actual impact on your life. Now, I actually completely agree with getting in a funk when there's no reason short term. I think that's really common and it's a really difficult one to overcome. I actually, for that, like for me, I train, shock I mentioned it, I train jiu-jitsu because it constantly, there is a constant why in my head, whether it's working towards getting better in a certain position or whether it's a competition upcoming or trying to improve the level on my belt or anything like that. I have a constant why. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that jiu-jitsu is so beneficial to me is that it, it, it really holds me in a, oh, I was going to use my least favorite word of motivation, but it does. It holds me in a place where I constantly have a reason all the time. And that's massive to me because I think if I was in the same position where maybe I didn't have a short-term focus, I'd be very similar to you guys. I could easily get into a funk. So I would look at that. I would say, okay, well, can, can we set yourself a target? Something I've done with a lot of clients this year is get them to set these, set them targets alongside. So I've got Tracy's running a triathlon. I've got Rob, who is doing about a million things. His next is the marathon. I actively encourage my clients to sort of set themselves mini targets along the way. Because if that's what's going to help you, use it to your advantage. Think of something that maybe frightened you a little bit, scares you a little bit, like a goal that's a bit like, wow, could I do that? Go and do it. Book it. My first ever jiu-jitsu competition, I wasn't sure about going to do it. I wasn't sure whatsoever. And I just booked it. I just was like, right, well, if I book it, if I pay for my space, I'm going to have to train. I'm going to have to go. And it's doing that. I would honestly encourage you to find something like that and book it. Um, I've got Charlotte, who's currently working towards doing a 5K. There's going to be so many different things that that motivate you it's just about finding it because there is nothing wrong with having loads of mini things for yeah again you won't mind me saying rob who's uh, running a marathon he has about four or five different goals gradually throughout the, the course of this year and that's going to help him be able to mentally keep switched on there's nothing wrong with doing that to just setting yourself little mini goals um i have some clients who might set themselves like 
a holiday or I had a few clients set like Christmas dues and things like that as just little mini benchmarks along the way to keep them focused. Nothing wrong with that. Um, as long as alongside it, you, you understand the long-term benefits too. So next question was around running. I'm currently working to run my first 5K. After it, I was going to start to go for two 25 to 30 minute runs per week. Any tips or advice? I think firstly, well, if that if I just talked about actually one of my clients who's working towards the first 5K. Um, slow down. You're asking about what to do after when you still have something that you're working towards. Focus on the task at hand. Nothing wrong with having things after. I've just talked about the benefit of having things to, to do throughout a year. But I think focus on the task at hand first. If your goal is running a 5K, get the 5K done. Then after it, what next? Again, thinking outside the box a little bit, not just like I'm going to go for a couple of runs a week. I think set yourself a target, a 10K, a half marathon. Why not with these things? I think, okay, we're going to... We're going on one. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. There's a tangent coming. There is a tangent coming. There is a tangent coming. Here's the tangent. I think people set the barrier or the level for themselves too low too often. I don't think people aim high enough a lot of the time. Now, why that happens, I don't think it's down to an individual as such. I think it's probably a fact of like self-belief being not. I think it actually feeds from like longer-term dieting in places like Slimming World where you constantly basically judged on one thing alone where you're almost scared of setting yourself something big because it seems so far away but I think so often people sell themselves short and don't actually set a standard or an expectation of themselves high enough I can't stress it enough aim pretty high with your goals there is nothing wrong with that I talk about like my entire program this podcast is called start simple my entire philosophy in the way that I will coach and work with people is on the basics, consistency, basics, keep it simple, do it consistently. But that doesn't mean that doing those things cannot get you to an extremely high level. Reality is for getting to that high level, you actually just need to do the basics really, really fucking well consistently. But I do think people avoid setting the, the, the bar quite high for themselves. Nah, set it high. So firstly, back to the, the question, sorry. Yeah, run a 5K, amazing. Then after it, aim higher. Set a 10K. Oh, you can always improve. You can always work towards improving things. I think when you get to a baseline, then the baseline improves. There, um, there's a word for that, and I've forgotten it. But yeah, um, that would be my advice for after it. Okay, now, last little bit. It's going to be quite a short podcast, this one. This came from a conversation from one of my clients. Now, this might sound a little bit weird to you, but... Hey, sorry, I just having a drink of water. So one of my clients basically asked me this week, should she carry on working with me? Said, do you think I can do it on my own now, basically? And I'm going to give you my answer because the question was around, can I get to the place that I want to be now on my own and then maintain it on my own? Now, I have clients who, this is why, by the way, if you ever come into coaching, I don't put a time frame on you. I've had clients who stay for three months. I've, I think my longest client is now, well, since I started, so like nearly four years, I've got clients who will stay for long periods of time, like the accountability and having the thought process taken away. So I don't set a time frame when you come into coaching because everyone's journey is going to look very different. Everyone's journey is very individual. 
So when my client asked me this this week, I gave a completely straight and honest answer. And now I'm going to explain that to you a little bit. Because it feeds into the benefit of having a coach, but equally what the point of having that coach should be. So I said this. I said, in my opinion, a coach should be there to get you to the place that you want to be. You should go and get the result that you want working with a coach. And then when you got to that place, the focus should be about learning how to maintain that result. And I think you should do that with a coach. But it's that second section that should have a time frame. That second section should be a not for everything. If it's for accountability, if it's, again, like I said, for training programming and the thought process to be taken about, you should be with a coach forever. I think there's massive benefits to that. I have a coach. I will probably always have a coach in some way, shape or form. But you have to be at a point where equally, as much as having a coach there to support you, you should be confident in what you're doing and you're confident in the ability to maintain the results. It's essential. It's essential that you have that self-confidence within yourself that you're like, yeah, I can do this. I think you should get to the place you want to be, get support to do it. Like, listen, if you, it's, it, it's, it's a funny one, fitness, because everyone's got their own opinion on it. Like, I don't go to an electrician and say, I think you should do it this way. I go, don't go to a plumber and say, actually, the best way to do this is by doing this, because I'm not qualified to talk about it. But you go into a staff room up and down the country and everyone will tell you, you should do this. Oh, this is the best way. Oh, I've heard this. I read this. Everyone's an expert when it comes to, to nutrition and weight loss. Um, so nobody actually needs a coach because the experts are all in the staff room, apparently. Um, but I think everyone should benefit from coaching. I think everyone could, could benefit from coaching. But like I said, the point of it is to get you to that end point, to get you to that place of maintenance, to get you to that place where you can feel confident. And it's why even with, with what I do in the final month of somebody's coaching, I, I phase it out to make sure that they, you know, if they're somebody who's been tracking, that they feel confident without tracking. If they have been training at home to make sure they're confident on how to continue training at home or train in the gym, continue to train in the gym, all these things. Um, because I do think you should, in any sort of fitness program, whether it's one-to-one, -one, in-person, online, group, whatever, it should be designed to be giving you the tools for life. Shouldn't be keeping you arms length. It's, it's why I think a lot of, I've already given a little slimming world bashing, haven't I? But it's why I think a lot of diet clubs are wrong, basically, because I think they keep you at arm's length. I will give my clients absolutely everything. I will answer every single question they have to answer so that they have all the education and the understanding themselves so that then they can keep the result for themselves which I think is the most important thing. The one thing I would say, and I said this to the to, to the person who asked the question, the key, the key thing to maintenance, and this shouldn't surprise you, but I think it does to a lot of people, is that everything stays the same. I talked about this on the, the last week's podcast in terms of when it comes to your diet, nothing really changes um, apart from maybe portion sizes. The reason a lot of people don't maintain results is that they can fall into previous habits. It's why the building of habits is so important. It's why you focus on building those habits over long periods of time. I think everyone expects a habit to change or like a result to come and a way to come in a really short space of time. And it doesn't. Maintaining results long term means long term. It means doing the things that you're doing consistently over like years, effectively. Let's say, right, you're 30. I'm using 30 because that's old I am. Let's say you're 30 and you want to keep... Um, the results that you currently have or the physique that you currently have or the attitude to health that you currently have until you are, I don't know what the average age of like, 
gone a bit morbid, but don't know what the uh, average living age is. Let's say till he's 60. I'm sure we're all going to live longer than 60. But anyway, you want to keep those results for 30 years. Well, we better get some habits in place that you can keep for 30 years. And you might be a little bit scared when I say that and be thinking, what, I've got to do this for another 30 years. If that's your attitude, if you're thinking, shit, I've got to do what I'm doing now for 30 years, I'd probably have a little look at what you're doing. Now, don't get me wrong. Say you're tracking calories. No, you don't have to track calories for 30 years. But I'd like to think if you're tracking, you also focus on protein, fruit, vegetables. Well, yeah, you probably have to do those things forever. I'd like to think that you, you know, you might, that people have their maps so they see how much water they've drank in a day to make sure they drink enough water. I don't use one, but you know what I mean? Do you have to use the app forever? No, but you probably do need to always drink enough water. Do you have to stay on the same training program that you're on forever? No, tra- training programs can change, whether days of the week change, your exercise change, whatever. You probably do need to train for the rest of your life. That's how maintaining results long-term happens. By creating habits that you can keep up, that you enjoy, and basically doing them forever. Um, There's a real roundabout answer to that question. So, yeah. Okay. That's the main ones. That's all the questions that we have this week. If you have anything you want covered on the podcast, if you found this useful, you know the script, share it, tell your mates about it, and I will see you next week.